I believe I know you well enough to say that all of us want God's best in our lives. Would you, would you say amen to that? Sure. I want God's best. You want God's best. I don't think anybody listening to us online this evening, I don't know any of them. I don't know their hearts. I don't know their minds. But I'll bet everybody would say they want God's best for their life. Now, what's so powerful about Galatians 6, 6 through 10, is that God gives us the recipe right here in his word of how we can have God's best for us, for me and for you individually in our lives, for our families. And man, that's, that's so good. I'm so thankful for the truth of God's precious word. So tonight, what I want to do is talk to you about the law of sowing and reaping. We're going to be looking again at verses 6 through 10. Let's read that together. We'll come back. I've got four main points that I want to give you, two statements, and we'll be done. Look what it says. Galatians 6, starting with verse number 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, what that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap shall also reap of the flesh corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let's not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Everybody say all men. Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's pray together. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you again so much for the truth of your word. Lord, I'm thankful that you tell us exactly what we need to know. Father, I'm thankful that you give us truth that is life-changing. And I'm praying, Lord, this evening that, Holy Spirit, you would allow me to share this, not in my power, but in yours. These people need not hear what I have to say. Lord, I don't want this to be about me. I don't want it to be about us. Lord, I want it to be about you. And I want you to teach us, straight from your word, Holy Spirit, exactly what we need to know. Do the work in this place. Lord, we pray that only you can do. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, for those who are sick this evening. We ask that, Lord, you would bless them, bring healing to their life. And, Father, we pray you uh, just give us, Lord, again, from your truth, exactly what we need. Lord, bring conviction where conviction is needed. Bring comfort where comfort is needed. And we're asking in Jesus' name that you would have your way and you'd have your will in these services. Lord, for these things, we're going to praise you for you alone are worthy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, the first thing that I want us to see here in Galatians chapter 6 concerning the law of sowing and reaping is we reap only when we sow. Only when we sow can we reap. That's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible says that um, we cannot mock God, that this is a law that God has given to us um, that cannot be broken. Now, folks, do you know that God is a God of order? If you believe that, say amen this evening. He, he has order in this universe. He has order in the natural, and he has order in the spiritual. Now, now there's certain laws in the natural that all of us know, and we must live by. How many of you have ever heard this? What goes up? Finish this statement. What goes up must come down. Now, what we're describing when we say that is the law of gravity. The law of gravity is what God has instituted in this world so that we might be in your seat tonight, not on the ceiling, so that I can stand on the floor and not have to preach from, from up there. I mean, that's the law of gravity. Now, whether we like it or not, that's a law that we must abide by. 
You say, well, Brother Israel, I don't have to abide by the law of gravity. I mean, I could jump off a 10-story building. Well, you could, but that doesn't mean that you break the law of gravity. That just means you're broken by it. Amen? We really can't break these laws. We must adhere to them. Now, another law that God has instituted in this world is the law of sowing and reaping. And it's a law that is instituted for us and everybody else. We all must abide by it. So that's why the Bible tells us God cannot be mocked. He says what you sow, you are definitely going to reap. Man, that's so powerful. I'm so glad for the truth of what God has given us. Now, he says, first of all, in verse number six, look what it says. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And I want to read that to you in the Amplified Version because it clears it up and, and, and helps us all to understand it. Look what, listen what the Bible says there. Let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his support. Now let me tell you what this means. If you're in a local church, and in that local church you are being fed by the word of God, then all of us who are in the local church should underwrite the expenses of the local church. Can you say amen? That's what he's talking about. He said if you're receiving the nourishment from God's word, spiritually speaking, that you need so that you might grow, then all of us are to give to this mission. Because how many know that's exactly what this is? This is a mission of glorifying God and reaching lost souls. This is a mission of glorifying God, worshiping Him, but also discipling the church. And if you're being fed by this, if you're uh, being taught in this, then you ought to underwrite those expenses. I should, you should, all of us as members of the church should. And then he says, and be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So you can only reap when you sow. Let me put it in, in maybe in terms that all of us can understand. You cannot get a harvest if you don't put seed in the ground. You've got to put seed before you can expect to get the harvest when harvest time comes. If you're going to get fruit from the plant, you've got to plant the seed. That's what it's saying. You only reap when you sow. If you got it, say, I got it. You say, now, wait a minute, brother. Come on now. I'm reaping in certain areas of my life and, and things that I didn't sow into. Well, you're only reaping where you didn't sow because somebody who sowed didn't reap. Somebody has sown. You may be reaping the benefits, but there had to be sowing before there was reaping. Has to be. You only harvest when you plant. You only reap when you sow. That's the first principle that we've got to get a hold of if we're going to understand the law of sowing and reaping. Not only we reap only when we sow, that's number one, but number two, you reap what you sow. Verse seven tells us, we just read it. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Whenever, whatever you reap is identified with what you sow. There is a locked-in likeness. That's what uh, Dr. Warren Wiersbe said. I like how he puts that. There's a locked-in likeness with sowing and reaping. 
You're going to reap like you sow what you sow. The Bible teaches that throughout, starting in the book of Genesis. I love the book of Genesis because if you can get understanding of the book of Genesis, you're going to have understanding in the natural, in the physical world, but you're also going to have understanding spiritually speaking. It gives you understanding of all of God's word if you can get a hold of Genesis. But in Genesis chapter 1, uh, Brother Nathan, if you will, please put up for me Genesis 1, 11 through 12. Listen to what God says all the way back in the beginning about sowing and reaping and about what, 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 what uh, things that, uh, that bear seed do. Look what it says. He, he says, Genesis 1, starting in verse number 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself... Upon the earth, and it was so. Look at verse 12. And the earth is brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and the Lord saw that it was good. So what's he saying? He's saying that if you sow an apple, uh, a, a tree, a, a seed for an apple tree, guess what you're going to get off that tree? You're going to get apples. And if you sow a seed for an orange tree, what are you going to get off that tree? You're going to get oranges. You're going to reap just like you sow. The sow, sowing and the reaping are identified together. It's a locked-in likeness. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 16. He asked the question, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs from thistles? And the answer is no. You don't gather grapes from a thorn bush. You don't gather figs from the thistles. You don't gather um, what you haven't First of all, song. You don't, you've got to reap what you sow. You need to understand that. Now, Dr. Adrian Rogers, he says it another way. He's got a great way of saying just about everything I've ever heard him say. But he says, every kick has a kickback. And he's right. It determines a lot what you sow, no doubt about it. If you reap what you sow, how does that work in your relationships? How does that work? In your marital relationship, because like I said, if we can get a hold of this principle, the law of sowing and reaping, it'll change everything. It'll change every sphere, every facet, every area of our life. In, in our marriage, how does that work that we reap what we sow? Well, think about this. If I could give you one verse tonight that would help you more than I believe any other verse concerning marriage, it would be Ephesians 5, verse number 33. It's the one verse that I believe gives us um, marital counseling straight from the Word of God in a nutshell. Ephesians 5, verse number 33. Watch what it says. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now right here in this one verse, God gives us exactly what we need. Now guys, I don't know about you. I think I probably know. I, I think I can say this confidently that the thing you want most in your home because it's the thing that I want most in my home. I think it's how we're wired. It's how we're created. The thing I want most in my home is to feel respected. To feel respected by my wife, by my children, to have their respect. Now, guys, would you say that's true for you? Because it's certainly true for me. Now, that just makes sense because God's Word says that the, the wife needs to see that she respects her husband. She shows him reverence. 
Why? Because that's what the husband desires. That's what the husband needs. That's how we're wired. That's how we're created. That's how God made us. Now let me ask you something, ladies. Lives. Would you say your greatest need and want is to feel loved? Is to feel like you're number one in your husband's life above every other physical relationship? Well, if that's true, that just stands to reason because God says that's what the man is supposed to do. God who created man and God who created woman and God who created marriage and put us together said this is the best way marriage is going to work. That a wife shows respect to her husband and the, wife, and the, and the, uh, the, the uh, husband shows love to his wife. Now that don't mean that a, that a husband shouldn't respect his wife and a wife shouldn't love her husband. I'm just showing you our greatest needs. Now let me ask you something, guys. If we reap what we sow, there's a locked-in likeness. If I want respect from my wife, what I need to give her? Respect. Absolutely. Ladies, let me ask you something. If you want love from your husband, what do you need to give him? Or love, right? There's a locked-in likeness. You reap what you sow. That works in the marital relationship. If you want to be honored, honor the other person. If you want to be loved, listen, love the other person. You ought to try to out-love your mate. You ought to try to out-honor your mate, out-respect them. That's such an important truth because you're going to reap just like you sow. So if something in the relationship's not working like you think it should, then you need to ask yourself, how are you sowing? If you're not sowing properly, you're not going to reap properly. If you don't sow what you want, you ain't going to reap what you want because we reap what we sow. Let me, let me, let's think about this. Not only in the marital relationship does that work, but also in just in friendships. Just in friendships. Proverbs 18, 24. I love this verse. I read it to my kids all the time. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 24. Watch what it says. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now what does that mean? If you want to have friends, what do you need to do? You need to be a friend. If you want somebody that's going to be there for you, what do you need to do to them? Be there for them. If you want somebody you can talk to, what do you need to be? Someone they can talk to. You, you reap what you sow even in relationships. Man, it's very, very important that we see that. Jesus said, and I love this, Luke chapter 6 and verse number 31. He put, puts it like this. It's called the golden rule. As you would have men do unto you, do that unto them. <laughs> Amen. So if you want to be loved, show love. If you want to be respected, show respect. If, if you want to um, have, be friend, have a friend, be friendly is what he's saying. We reap what we sow. I'll go as far as to say this. Not only does it work relationally, but also financially. Financially. Jesus said in Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 38 that if we give that it will in turn be given back to us. He says it'll be given back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I, tonight, I want to give you a foolproof financial plan. 
Let me tell you what a foolproof financial plan is. For you to give under the things God cares about. Because I can promise you, I promise you, you cannot, you will not outgive God. Now, let me, let me say this to you. I'm not a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it guy. I'm not. But I'm, I, we've also got to look to the word of God and what it's saying to us. If we reap what we sow, what happens if we sow finances into a ministry? Now, does God bless us in other ways? Absolutely does. Many other ways. But I can promise you this, He will also bless you financially when you make your finances honor Him. Are you getting me? We reap what we sow. There's a locked-in likeness. It works in our relationships. It works in our finances. Let, let me give you this. It works in our parenting. What you sow into your children, you will reap from them. And it will show up in their life. I read something that absolutely blew me away this week that I want to read to you. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. That's true. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns confidence. If he lives with praise, he learns appreciation. If he lives with fairness, he learns justice. If he lives with security, he learns how to have faith in people around him. If he lives with approval, he learns to like himself. I like that one. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns to find love in the world. So what is that teaching us? Because it's so very true. What you sow into them, you're going to harvest, see harvested in their life and in your life. It makes all the difference. So you've got to be so careful what you sow. You've got to be so careful what you say as a parent. Let me tell you what happens, and I've seen it so many times, not only in my life, um, but in others. What you tell a kid over and over and over again, pretty soon they're going to believe you. If you tell them they're stupid, over, and if you're doing that, stop it. If you tell them that over and over and over again, guess what? Pretty soon they're going to believe you. If you tell them they can do anything and you keep telling them that, guess what? Pretty soon, they're going to believe you. If there's one thing our children need, yeah, they need correction. Oh, but listen, they need encouragement. They need encouragement. They don't need to be torn down but built up. Not just when they're this high, but when they're this high. Not just when they're eight years old, but when they're 38. Let's do what we can to build them up. Man, it's so very important. Because what you sow, they and you will reap because you're, all, you're forever connected. Amen. And it makes all the difference. So these things work in every facet, every sphere, every area of your life. 
you reap just like you sow. So if you're not getting what you want in relationships, you need to ask yourself, how are you sowing? If you're not getting what you want in every area of your life, you need to ask yourself, how are you sowing? It's very important for all of us. Not only do you reap only when you sow, and you reap what you sow. Number three, you reap after you sow. After you sow. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season. Everybody say due season. There are, there's a due season for when you're going to harvest. Amen. That's true in the physical, is it not? I mean, usually people plant um, the crops around here around, you know, March, beginning of April, maybe some even earlier than that, and then they begin to harvest around end of October, 1st of November. So there's a due season when the harvest is going to take place, but it always happens after the sowing. Now, why am I telling you this? Because some things come quicker than others. You can sow some things and reap the harvest pretty quickly. I've, I've seen that spiritually speaking in my life. And, and maybe you have too. Some things happen very quickly. You sow it and then it's just like boom. God does the work and, and brings forth the harvest. And man, that's a great thing. Praise God for that. But there's some things that take a lot of time. So I, I don't want you to get discouraged. And I think what happens a lot of times, we'll feel the need and the calling of God to do something in our lives. And we begin to do it. And because we don't begin to see harvest after we've sown quicker than, or, or, or as quickly as we expected, we get discouraged. And a lot of times what we want to do is dig up the seed and go plant it somewhere else. Don't we? But don't do that. If God's called you to something, if God's led you in a direction, and he said to sow, sow and wait for the harvest. Harvest always comes. The reaping always comes after the sowing. And we got to let God do his work. Amen? Now, any farmer is going to tell you you're going to reap or harvest after you've planted the seed, after you've planted the crop. Now, they don't know the exact day that that seed's going to sprout forth and the exact day that it's going to come to full maturity and the exact day that he's going to get the combine out in the field and start... Um, getting his harvest in. He don't know the exact day. He just know it's coming after. There's a lot that takes place in between. A lot that's unseen. Can you say amen? A lot that's happening in the ground. I mean, that seed's dying and splitting apart and germinating and it's beginning to grow and God's doing things under the dirt that we don't even know anything about. We don't see happening. The same is true in the spiritual sense. When you begin to sow into things, sow into ministry, sow into what God has called you to do, where God has called you to be. Listen, wait on God's timing. He's never late. We're just impatient. That's the problem. And I, listen, I am a terrible waiter. I mean, I eat Jiffy Pop popcorn. I get my oil changed at Jiffy Lube. I, don't, I hate to wait. I eat fast food. I, and that's all because a lot of it, I want it when I want it right now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. 
The other day, I drove all the way to Russellville, Alabama, because that's where I get my hair cut. I drove all the way to Russellville now, pull up at the barbershop, and there's about 10 people sitting in line. You know what I did? Turned around and went home. Let me tell you why. I hate to wait. I'm a terrible waiter. I'm a very impatient person. And, and a lot of times that's, that's, that's true for me in the spiritual sense. I want to see God do it now. But we've got to trust his timing. Because he may be doing things that we know nothing about. He's working in ways that we can't see. Just like the farmer putting that seed in the ground. Get away on God to do what only God can do. Can you say amen? You always need to remember, we reap after, after we sow. Take the time to trust the Lord while you wait. It's very important. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, excuse me, in verse number one, the wisest man who ever lived was a man by the name of King Solomon. King Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. The only one that's ever been wiser than Solomon that walked upon this earth was the Lord Jesus. And Jesus was more than a man. He was a God-man, amen? <laughs> and so the God-man, he, he had much more wisdom than even Solomon. But Solomon was a man just like you and I. He came um, from the seed of Adam. And so Solomon is known to be the wisest human being that ever walked upon the face of the earth. Listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse number 1. Cast thy bread upon the water, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now what does he mean when he says, cast thy bread upon the water? Well, it means to make an investment that sows some seed. Amen. He, he's saying, I'm, I'm putting my... First, my, foot, my, my, my best foot forward. I'm, I'm doing what I can do to sow the seed and expect the harvest. Now, how did he do that? Because he actually did it. Go to 1 Kings chapter 10 and verses 22 and 23. This is about, this is how Saul cast his bread upon the water or made an investment that sowed some seed. Look what it says. For the king, meaning Solomon, had a sea, a navy, had at sea a navy of Tharshish with the navy of Hiram. Once in three years came the navy of Tharshish bringing gold and silver and ivory and apes and peacocks. So what's he doing? He's got ships on the water that are importing and exporting goods. He's casting his bread upon the water. He's sowing a seed and making an investment. Amen. Now watch what happens, verse number 23. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom. Isn't that good stuff? Now, if he had not put the ships on the water, if he had not owned the seed of investment, he would have never got that big return. He would have never become as wealthy and wise as what he became. And we got to do the same thing. We got to cast the bread to the water. Spiritually speaking, that's so true. Do you remember... Um, about five or six years ago when uh, Dr. David Miller came and preached revival services for us. Does any of you remember that? Uh, I don't know if some of you may not know Dr. David Miller, but he is an amazing man of God. Um, uh, Dr. Miller knows the Word of God better than anybody I've ever been around. When he preaches God's word, he's, he's a quadriplegic. And so when he preaches God's word, he cannot hold his Bible. So he's memorized the text. 
and and I think he was preaching from the book of of First uh, Peter, First Peter chapter one. He quoted the whole chapter verbatim. Never opened his Bible, couldn't hold his Bible, but he had studied and read and memorized so much so that he could quote the whole chapter, and then he would give you. Um, different references on the scripture he'd just quoted. And he'd go all over the Bible, quoting from memory what God's word says. Now, how is he able to do that? Well, listen to what he said. He's living on the dividends of a well-spent youth. That's pretty good stuff. Because I asked him, I said, Brother, Brother Miller, how do you do that, man? How did that happen? Because at that time, when he preached here, he was in his, I'm going to say, early to mid-70s. And his mind was just as sharp as a tack, and he was still quoting whole chapters of the Word of God. He said, I'm living off the dividends of a well-spent youth. What did he do? He cast his bread upon the water years ago. He sowed a seed, spiritually speaking, and made an investment years ago. And he's reaping the harvest now. <laughs> and we should do the same thing. Now, not only does that work in the spiritual, but it also works in the natural. Let's talk about financial just a little bit. I was telling this to my daughter just the other day. She's turning, uh, just turned 18. Um, she's about to graduate high school. She's starting to make a little money for herself. And I told her the other day, I said, Honey, what I want you to do, I want you to start for yourself right now um, a, uh, a retirement fund for when you're ready to retire 40 years from now. I said, and we sat down, me and her, and we looked at how important that really is and what that's going to finally turn into one day. If you start looking at um, um, compounding interest and how that works, it'll absolutely blow your mind. And I showed her just how you could put not really a big amount of money that some, some you really wouldn't even miss and start investing that now at 18 years of age, what that would be when she's 58 years of age. And she's blown away by it. But how many of you know you've got to start now? You've got to make an investment and sow the seed now. Do you see how this works in every area of our life? God's word is truth. Truth just works. Truth is light. It helps you to see your way in every area. You reap only when you sow. You reap what you sow. You reap after you sow. Let me tell you this though. Listen to me now. You reap a lot more than you sow. Don't you? When I was a little boy, one thing that I loved about going to my grandmother's house in the springtime is that she planted a garden. And me and my brothers would go up to my mama's house and she'd have somebody come and till that garden spot up. And they'd bring in the big plow, you know, on the tractor and till that thing up, man. And then we'd get out there in, those, in, that, uh, in, in that garden spot and throw dirt clods at one another. as the funnest time ever. I loved it. You could tell we grew up in the sticks. I mean, um, if that's your idea of having a good time. But that was my idea. It still is in a lot of ways. Uh, um, I enjoyed it then, and I probably still enjoy it now. But we, 
we'd get out there and play in that, in that garden spot, you know, and just have a good time. And I remember she always, in the fall of the year, she'd plant a turnip green patch. She loved turnip greens. And I'm glad because I love turnip greens too. And she would take a, a sack full of those turnip green seed, which is very, very small seed, and she would just start sowing it. I'm talking about everywhere, all over that tilled up spot that she was planting. I mean, she would sow it thick and heavy. But I'm going to tell you something. What she got in return from that little bitty seed was a whole lot more than what she had sown. It multiplied many times over. She would not only have enough turnip greens for her to eat and for us to eat and everybody in the neighborhood to eat. She would have enough turnip greens for people, in the, people of Hamilton to come and get them if they wanted to. They'd be everywhere and they'd just keep growing. Why? Because you reap a whole lot more than you're ever going to sow. Amen? Let, let me share something with you. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. 2 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter number 9, verses 6 through 8. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. But he which soweth bountifully shall also shall reap also bountifully. Verse number seven. Every man he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Do you see it? Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, you heard me say just a moment ago that you cannot, will not, ever outgive God. You can't. You won't. Dr. David Jeremiah says it like this. He says, we give to God with our little bitty thimble, and then he gives back to us with his big old shovel. And he does. He'll just shovel blessings out on you. Matter of fact, that's what Jesus was talking about. Luke chapter 6, verse number 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That means I'm going to bless you so much that you won't even be able to contain it. You're just going to run over. Amen. Michael Combs um, is one of my favorite southern gospel singers. And he sang a song years ago, and he talked about, I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup is overflowed. You ever heard that? It's a great song. But, but he knows what the Lord is talking about. He knows what the Apostle Paul is talking about right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. When you sow, you're going to reap much more than you ever sown into it. That's, that's just how God works. That's just how good he is. Now, I'm not, again, folks, please don't misunderstand me. I am talking about finances. I am. I don't apologize for that. But I'm not only talking about finances. First of all, you need to understand, you don't have to grudgingly give your money. If you're going to grudgingly give your money, keep it. Keep it. If it breaks your heart, keep it. Because God's not broke. He's not. God is able to do what he wants, how he wants. But if you're willing to give cheerfully, like you should be given, like he commands you to give, do it. Do it. 
And if you're giving grudgingly, get your heart right and give cheerfully. Why? Because all of it's his. All of it's his. So I am saying, you will never outgive God financially speaking. I promise you, when you sow financially into what pleases the Lord, into what um, God loves and, and God wants and God is in, when you sow into that, you're going to reap from it much more than you ever put in. Yes, financially, but in so much, so many more ways. Do you know God does things for us that a lot of times we won't even realize and take so much for granted? Do you know God is your protector? Yeah, he's your provider, but he's your protector. And daily, he's watching over you and yours. Do you know angels encamp about the righteous? Do you know God has your best interest at heart at all times? He's the apple, or you're the apple of his eye. You know what the apple of your eye socket is? What do y'all think it is? It's your eyeball. It's your eyeball. What will you do to protect your eyeball? I'm going to tell you something. I do a lot to protect my eyeball. Won't you? Of course. I can't stand for anything to hit my eye, to get close to my eye, to touch my eye. And, and what God is saying, you are so special to me and you're so important to me. And I'm going to do everything I can to protect you. God blesses in ways that are much more than financial. Amen. I promise you. You never, ever outgive him. You always reap more than you sow. Now, is there anything to help this process along? I believe there is. And I believe God's word says it right here in verse number 9. Galatians chapter 6. Verse number nine. In the sowing and the reaping process, if you're going to have a bountiful harvest, guess what you better do? You got to do some cultivation. A few years ago, me and Brandy decided we were going to plant us a garden. You remember this, honey? And we went about plowing up the garden spot, and I did everything like I seen my mom do it years ago. And I had, folks, three rows of squash. And I'm talking about squash from here to the door. Three of them. And we had, how many tomato plants we get? I think 30 or 40 tomato plants I had planted. And then we had butter beans and peas. And I'm talking about rows from here to the door. And it wasn't long until I figured out I didn't want to be a farmer. I'm telling you, you'll wire out three hoes trying to keep that. You can't, you can't stay in there long enough to keep the weeds out. I'm talking about, for the first week, I hung in there with it because we was going to make it work. And I got out there every evening, and I was hoeing, man, getting them weeds out. But you let it, let it rain two or three days, and you can't get in there? Then that sun pop out? Oh, my gosh. It was like a jungle. And I lost the crop. You may tell you why? No cultivation. No cultivation. 
You can't allow weeds to get in and overtake that which will bring the harvest. Are you hearing me? That's what he's talking about, I believe, in Galatians 6, 9. He said, let us not get weary in well-doing. Well-doing. Let us not get weary in well-doing. Watch what he says. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Isn't that good news? Don't get weary in doing the things that you know you're supposed to be doing. What am I talking about? There's a lot of people tonight sitting at home should be in church. Let me tell you why. They've got weary. They, they may be weary because of um, work or play. <laughs> they may be weary because of just the stresses of life and the rat race that we call life. They've just got tired. And it's easier a lot of times just to stay at home and forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But how many know? The Bible says don't do that. Doesn't it? I heard a story one time about a man who was get up on a Sunday morning and he looked over at his wife and he said, honey, I'm not going to church today. And she said, yeah, we're going to church today. And he said, no, I'm not going to church today. I'm, I'm done with it today. I just want to, I want to stay here today. I'm tired today. It's been a long week. I've had a lot going on. I just want to stay here today. I don't want to go today. I'm going to stay here. I'm tired. She said, honey, you've got to go to church today. He said, why do I got to go to church today? She said, because you're the pastor. We all get tired. Amen? Folks, I don't, I don't get tired in the work or of the work of the Lord, but sometimes I get tired in it. We all do. We all do. You're not the only one. But I want to tell you something. If we really want to reap after we have sown and we want to reap bountifully the good things of God, we cannot get weary in well-doing. We've got to continually cultivate. And, and I'm going to tell you something. That's what this does for me. There's some cultivation that happens for me when I prepare these sermons. I mean, y'all think I come out here and I'm pointing fingers at everybody and screaming at you. No. Please don't ever feel that way. I don't want you to think that I'm somehow talking at you. Because I'm not. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I understand this truth is as much for me as anybody. And I realize, even tonight, I've been sowing some things that I don't want to reap. And I say, God, forgive me. I've blown it here and I've blown it there and I've just been an idiot in a lot of ways. Forgive me, I'm sorry. I'm wrong and you're right. That's confession. Amen? So this helps me to cultivate when I come to the word of God. It helps me to cultivate when I spend time in God's word daily. It, it, it helps me to cultivate when I, uh, I'm about the discipline, and that's what it is, the discipline of prayer. It, it's hard to talk to God if you're not living like you're supposed to live. Because every time I do, the Holy Spirit starts putting his finger on things in my life. Anybody else? So what I'm saying is, 
Don't get weary in well-doing. Keep doing the stuff you know you're supposed to be doing according to the word of God. And you will reap in due season. There's got to be some cultivation. In my life, in your life, in our crop. Dr. Adrian Rogers always said this. He said that a lot of times what we'll do, we'll sow our wild oats six days a week, then come in on Sunday and pray for crop failure. I'm telling you, that brother says a lot that's so good. That's amazing. He's right. That's exactly what we all do. All of us are guilty to some degree. So there's got to be some cultivation, but let me say something else. There needs to be some participation. Um, Michelle, read. I don't mean to put you on the spot, sister, but she said something um, to me a while back that stuck with me. She said, and you correct me if I'm wrong, she said we need to pray like all of it depends upon God and live like it all depends on us. That's pretty good stuff. I agree with that. That's good. And I think that's what the Bible's talking about here in verse number 10. We need to participate in what's going on. As you have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. And when he says all men, what's he mean? All. Not some men, not most men, not the men we perceive to be good, but also perceive to be bad. I'm talking about those who look like us and those who don't look like us. I'm talking about those who believe like us and those that don't believe like us. I'm talking about people that are walking the straight and narrow and kneeling at the foot of the cross and those that are on the wide road to destruction. He says, you do good to all of them. Let me say something to you. Listen to me. Everybody you come in contact with tomorrow is somebody Jesus died for. You need to remember that before we get so condescending and get seated on our spiritual high horse and look down on everybody else. Meet people where they are and extend to them the same grace that has been extended to you. I'm not talking about condoning sin. I'm not talking about shirking your responsibility to call right, right, and wrong, wrong. I'm talking about speaking the truth in love and doing good to all men. Are you getting me? All men. Do good to them. Now, the, the, the most good we can do to or for anybody is to speak truth in love. Amen? as God gives opportunity and opens the door. So we need to do that. We must do that. But he says, do good to all men, but then he goes a step further. And he says, especially unto those who are of the household of faith. I love that. He makes a distinction. He says, especially when it comes to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You show the love of Jesus to them. You help them when they need help. You lift them up when they need encouraged. Listen to me. Listen to me. When they fall down, don't leave them there. 
Don't leave them there. Love them. Love them. Help them. Those are the household of faith. I love that. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. It's a powerful thing to be a part of the family of God. The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians said in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19, one of my favorite verses. I quote it regularly. You've probably heard me. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Y'all believe that? Me too. Let me tell you why I believe it, because I've experienced it. Haven't we, babe? Continually. God supplies what we need. He does. I'm so very thankful for it. And it amazes me sometimes how he does it. But let me tell you this now. Listen. I don't think you can claim Philippians 4.19 until you've done Philippians 4.1 through 18. Let me tell you what you're going to find when you go back this week in your quiet time and study Philippians 4.1 through 18. You'll find some people who are doing good unto all men, especially, especially unto those who are of the household of faith. Because in Philippians 4, 1 through 18, Paul is going to outline for you why he is writing the letter of Philippians back to the church at Philippi. You know what he says? He, he begins to say that he was in need as a missionary on the mission field. And there was a package, a care package, sent to him from the church at Philippi for, of all the things that he needed. You may tell you why? Because that church knew how important it was to do good unto them, especially those of the household of faith. And they met the need that the man of God had. And you know what he said in Philippians 4.19? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. When you do your part, God always do his. Are you getting me? Reaping and sowing is a law that we will abide by. We'll either be abide by it or we'll be broken by it. But it is a law that God has instituted in this universe in the spiritual and in the natural. It's a powerful thing. Anybody got anything, comments, or questions before we close tonight? All right. I'm so glad y'all are here. Good to see each and every one of you. Praise God for you. I'm praying for you daily. Are you praying for me? What time are we going to pray in the morning? Nine o'clock, we're going to pray. Each and every one of us, we're going to pray together. From Mount Zion Baptist Church, the members of the body right here, your brothers and sisters in Jesus, we're going to pray that God has his way and will in this place, that he continually works and does the things that only he can do. I'm praying for souls to be saved, addictions to be broken, families to be healed. I'm praying that God shows up and shows out in our lives and fills these empty pews. I get so stinking sick of empty pews. It bothers me. I don't like it tonight, there was empty pews. Now, I like it. I'm enjoying it. I ain't saying that. I just don't like empty pews. Right? So let's, let's do our part to remedy that as well. Invite somebody to come back with you Sunday. Okay? Church, coming to church don't save you, but church is a great place to get saved.
great place to get saved. Invite somebody to come back with you uh, this weekend for our regular Sunday morning services. Is there anything else? Any prayer requests?